Hi, Flourishing Therapreneurs. I wanted to hop on and share that our course Flourishing in Private Practice is coming spring 2022. If you are a pre-licensed student, trainee, associate, or even a licensed therapist that perhaps is either wanting to learn more about strengthening your private practice or curious to take the leap from agency to being your own boss, this course will walk you through all the steps. From the basics of setting up your business structure, creating your brand, building your reputation in the field, and strengthening your systems to help your business flourish. This course is filled to the brim with tangible examples, templates, and structure to help your business thrive and for you to grow and flourish personally and professionally. This course will be open for enrollment for two weeks in the spring, and then we'll close until the fall for a second round of enrollment. If this is you and you are wanting in, go to our website at theflourishingtherapreneur.com to join our mailing list and to be the first to know when the doors open. We also have a free download on our website called 10 Steps to Starting a Private Practice, available for you today. So if you're wanting to get started sooner or dip your feet into the idea, don't wait another moment. All right, enjoy the episode and looking forward to continuing to grow and flourish together as therapists and entrepreneurs, as therapreneurs. Let's go. Welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast, a podcast that equips therapists to thrive in business, expand their reach, and create flourishing and meaningful lives, both personally and professionally. I'm your host, Claire Blakey. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in private practice. I believe in being a multi-passionate therapist. You can have a thriving, financially impactful business, be a leader in the community, and also a business entrepreneur. You don't have to choose, and your impact as a clinician can go beyond the therapy room. I believe that you can be a therapist and an entrepreneur, a therapreneur, and I believe that every therapist deserves the tools, community, and resources to build thriving businesses and flourishing lives. I pair my passion and previous career in PR, marketing, and blogging with my education and experience as a clinician to equip therapists like you who are multi-passionate and wanting to pursue additional opportunities to grow your skill set and expand your reach. So what are we waiting for? Let's get going. Let's create impact and build flourishing lives and businesses we're proud of. Here we go. Hi, Alicia, and welcome to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If you want to take a moment and just introduce yourself and maybe share a little bit about your background and who you are so that the audience has a sense of what to expect. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have been practicing for almost a decade now, which is crazy to say, but I have a private practice in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, and it's been really great to be here. I moved here in 2018 and this has kind of been my endeavor during that time is to build a full practice. And I've been very blessed to have it go really the way that I hoped for it. Um, prior to that, when I lived in Las Vegas, I did a variety of settings. That was where I was also um, doing my internship and things like that coming out of grad school. And so I always had a private practice kind of on the side, but never full-time like right now. And so in the past, um, as a lot of other people probably know, when you're in your internship, you work in different settings. So drug and alcohol centers, community mental health agencies, foster care agencies, things like that. Um, And so just kind of through those experiences, it really helped lead me to knowing that private practice was where I felt like I was 
was really flourishing and where I wanted to be for sure. Um, and so in my practice, I see a lot of people that have had trauma of some sort. I mostly work with adults. Um, and so it doesn't always show up that way, but often as, you know, we know as therapists, it can be anxiety and people pleasing and codependency. And so that's kind of what I primarily see right now. Awesome. So it sounds like you did your grad school and your, most of your clinical hours in Las Vegas. And, um, when you got licensed, did you get lost licensed in Nevada or did you have to apply for another license or like what that just sounds a little bit complicated, but also really rewarding too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I did all of my um, undergrad and grad work in Las Vegas. I went to the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And so I did my undergrad in psychology and then my master's was in marriage and family therapy. Um, I really liked the systemic lens that came along with that specific piece. And so that's why I chose that route. And then, yeah, so I had to um, graduate, do all of the hours, do the exam. I got licensed in Nevada. And then when I moved to Colorado, it was nice because there was pretty um, easy flow of reciprocity. So doing that here, thankfully, was very easy because I know that's not the same for everywhere. So now I have the dual licensure in both places, which is kind of nice to have with teletherapy and all of those things that are available to people. Awesome. And then it sounds like when you were in Nevada, you had um, kind of like a small private practice. And then as you've transitioned to Colorado, that's where it's really flourished and grown. And it's now your bread and butter and that's your your full time thing. Yeah. I wonder if you could share a little bit about your clinical experience and maybe it sounds like you were in some agencies and different pieces. How did that prepare you for private mm-hmm. practice? And was there anything that you kind of felt like it hindered you for private practice? Like I love, I love to hear the real of both mm-hmm. sides of it in terms of how it really helped you and how it also maybe hindered you a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it because there are pros and cons to both. And I think that's something that people really have to be honest with themselves about. Some people do seem to really flourish in more of the agency setting and some people do better in private practice. So for me, in my experience, the agency work was really awesome because it helped me identify my niche and identify who I felt like I did my best work with. And I don't know without all of those different experiences, if I would have found that. And so just kind of forming this idea of, okay, who do I feel like I show up best for? Who do I enjoy working with the most as far as my clients go, that was really beneficial and having a lot of different supervisors and working with a lot of different therapists and all of those amazing perspectives was really, really valuable to this process for sure. And where I am right now. Um, so I definitely, again, credit all of those experiences in helping my success now, you know, kind of the downfall is that when you're in an agency setting and you're in that internship and you don't always know what you can say no to or give yourself permission to that can come with a lot of burnout. And I see that a lot with therapists that I supervise or other clinicians that I consult with is not feeling like you can advocate for yourself and say no to a certain number of clients that you're seeing per week or seeing such a wide range of diagnoses that maybe you're not comfortable with. I think that was really hard Mm -hmm. because then that kind of led to that sense of burnout. And then it was really hard to be able to even show up in private practice, which was, again, I knew I always wanted to do that. But when you're so burnt out in another setting, it's hard to give anything to any other aspect of your life, I think. Yeah. Would you say that that's um, more so true when you're pre-licensed versus when you're licensed? Or do you think that's also kind of, because like when I think of being pre-licensed, I know when I accrued my clinical hours, there's different Mm -hmm. goals. Like there's the goal of getting licensed. And so there's almost this like, okay, I want to see as many clients as possible. I haven't seen that many couples yet. Okay. I'll say yes to more couples or I'll say yes to more kids or whatever um, goal you have for whatever category you're 
your deficit in. Um, but then I also am curious if you just saw that in your pre-licensed experience or if you were also in agencies once you were licensed mm-hmm. and if you saw that that was still a model that mm-hmm. you felt like you couldn't say no to things or that it was a different, mm-hmm. um, I guess, yeah, different foundation in terms of, you know, burnout and things like yeah. that. Sure. That's a great question. Yeah. So I think definitely, and that's, I really like the way you put it of what's the goal for right now, because I think when you are in your internship phase and we want to get licensed so badly and move on to the, whatever the next goal is for us or the next step in our career is, it makes sense sometimes to have more of that goal being a little bit higher as far as amount of clients we can see, amount of hours we can dedicate towards work or maybe those settings that we don't fully love, but we know are going to help us reach that. And so it's kind of like, you know, that white knuckling, so to speak. And then I think what's hard about that is if we don't set the parameters around this is the goal for right now and I'm going to give myself permission to reevaluate is this actually working for me and you know all aspects of physical and emotional health for me uh, when I get licensed a lot of times I don't think that we go back and reevaluate it and so we just get so stuck in that mindset of again white knuckling that go 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 it's almost like we say wait a minute why am I still doing this Mm. is this still serving me because a lot of times I would say for people it's probably not and I think that even when I was licensed, there still was that expectation that sometimes comes with certain settings of you still need to see this many clients, you need to bring in this much income, you need to devote this much of your life to this job. Um, And I think sometimes there's some skewed messaging around, you know, therapists can't make money or we're not in this for the money. And I think that's just really doing a disservice to the field because then again, we have to ask ourselves, is that really going to lead to me being able to be the best therapist possible and lead to a long-term career in this field? So I really like just the way that you put it, like I said, about the goals of what's the goal for right now and does it still make sense if it was the goal before? Yeah, no, what you're saying is really resonating with me because I feel like I know that's something that I've been consciously really growing in and trying to really reflect on and look at is, you know, some of the philosophies or some of the um, tendencies when I was accruing my clinical hours were very workaholic oriented Mm -hmm. or very out of alignment with my actual personal values because it was like, okay, I'm not making the Mm -hmm. money that I really kind of feel like I should make, or I'm not seeing clients that are true to who I actually feel like I best work with because there's all these other parameters and goals that you're Mm -hmm. trying to meet. And I think there's something really wise, whether you are licensed for years and years or whether you're in the pre-licensed phase or newly licensed phase, but really questioning, you know, what, what model have you followed and is it still working for you? And like, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to evolve and grow. You're allowed to, um, yeah, like really align yourself with what's Mm -hmm. best for you and not what's best for the client. And I feel like a lot of times as therapists, we're so client focused, which is so important. And it's, you know, I still agree with that to a huge extent, but I think, um, especially as we make this a career and a lifestyle, we have to get really clear on what we need. Otherwise we burn out. Otherwise we aren't efficient in our work or we're not um, showing up fully for our clients because there's resentment or we just literally have too many clients on our caseload and we're not as effective or we're not as empathetic or we are just, yeah, doing a disservice almost. And so I really hear that with what you're sharing too. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think it goes back to that piece of, you know, when people say we're not in this for the money, it's not, I've heard some people say it's not ethical to charge a certain amount or it's not ethical to not take insurance or whatever it is. I think then we have to ask ourselves, okay, why did most of us get into this field? And the answer is usually because we want to help others or because we felt called to it. But again, can you really say that you are hundred percent helping others if you are having a lot of stress or a lot of burnout in your life because of the way that either, again, your schedule is set up or whatever it looks like. I think that's hard to truly be honest with ourselves and say, well, I want to help people, but maybe I'm not being as effective as I could be. And so it's almost like holding space for both of those things can be really challenging that we can be a good therapist. We can help people, but we can also take care of ourselves and align our values and our goals with what we need as well. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, totally. Well, and I think that kind of gets me really curious Mm -hmm. about like, you know, I mean, sure we could talk about this for hours, but like the philosophy or like where, where did some of these rooted ideas come from and are they still relevant or are they outdated or do they need reevaluating and who changes those, you know, kind of just this curiosity, especially when you think about other professions or industries or anyone with, you know, a graduate degree, um, or, you know, licensing, whether that's a doctor or whoever, Mm -hmm. like there aren't always the same standards that we are abiding by. So like, it just makes me really curious, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like there's so many pieces to this probably systemic problem or some of the philosophies that have been passed Mm -hmm. down, but it just makes me very curious of how can we change that narrative or how can we encourage, um, Mm -hmm. people that are on the journey to like, maybe have a different perspective or highlight, like I know you've really talked about self-care and preventing burnout. And so I'm wondering for anyone listening maybe they're identifying with kind of some of the stuff we're talking about. They're like, yes, I'm in an agency or yes, I'm doing my clinical hours or I'm working a job that I'm not feeling is in alignment with my values or isn't in alignment with my time. Mm -hmm. What would be like encouragement you would have for those people or what are ways that you identified burnout or ways that you implemented self-care? Because it feels like that's just really congruent to what Mm -hmm. you're saying is also kind of how you're showing up as a clinician. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And definitely, I think that it goes back to, like you said, you know, looking at other professions and how people don't bat an eye typically at how much, let's say, MDs charge or things like that. And I think that the best thing we can do is kind of advocate and as we do oftentimes on social media, really emphasize the importance of mental health. I think at least my hope is that the more that people see that, then it won't be this crazy concept that therapists can make a decent living and that it is something that people should invest. In, right. So I think that's kind of at the core of it is hopefully that's changing with the narrative and people being more honest about mental health. And I think as far as, you know, so what can people do when they're kind of in that individual position and how they can change that? I do think that even if let's say they're in an agency and they have no desire to leave being able to ask themselves, is this working for me? And being able to set the boundaries, because I think that's the first step is saying, okay, it doesn't matter if you're in private practice or not, you still have the right to designate how many hours you want to work a week. And does that work for you? Does a certain amount that you're compensated for work for you? Um, Because I think that there's absolutely nothing wrong with agency work, as long as you feel like as a therapist, you are able to take care of yourself. And so I think that also speaks to the importance of doing your own work, because without our own work, oftentimes we get kind of caught up in our own shame and guilt around setting boundaries and having wants and needs. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of twofold where before we can even have those things, I do think that we have to make sure, okay, where am I maybe getting stuck or where are some of those past things creeping up and why I'm not setting those boundaries for myself now? Because the more that we get 
comfortable with that uncomfortable conversation with others. It may not go great as far as them being receptive, but then that's information that we have to take into account of, okay, maybe this isn't the best setting for me. Maybe this isn't the best fit for me if my basic needs can't even be met or can't even be respected in that sense. So I do think once you do that, you get a little bit better at having self-care across the board. Mm -hmm. And then it just becomes a little bit more, again, natural and authentic to your values and who you are. Yeah, totally. Well, and I would also chime in with that, mm-hmm. that there's like this piece of, um, like when we connect with ourselves and when we really honor what we need, like knowing that we're human and that can change. So maybe you're at an agency and then you finally get licensed and you decide to stay at the agency, you might recognize, Oh, actually this isn't sustainable. This, these hours or these clients, or in terms of your own mental health, or like a good example too, is like, I'm a new mom and I have a year and a half year old daughter. And so the way that I show up as a clinician is very different now than when I, before I had her, like my bandwidth, my energy, mm-hmm. um, the way I want to spend my time, it looks different. So maybe I don't want to be gone 40 hours a week, or maybe I don't want to say yes to a high acuity client that I'm then spending additional hours mm-hmm. outside of session trying to consult other people or, you know, doing different suicide assessments. Like maybe the way my caseload yeah. feels is even different or, um, you know, just giving yourself that permission. Like, like, like we talked about, it's important to be client focused, but it's really important to honor the seasons in life that Mm -hmm. we're in and Mm -hmm. those change or Mm -hmm. life happens. People get sick. Or I know for me, um, a part of my story is, um, when I had my daughter, I had a very traumatic birth and then I experienced postpartum anxiety. So I thought I would take what three months off, which is like kind of like the normal, okay, you'll take three months off on maternity leave. And I ended up extending that Mm -hmm. to six months to really heal and to really honor who I am so that I could show up the best I could for myself, for my daughter, for my family, and then for my clients. Um, but really recognizing when I needed that pause and, um, but also, like I said, coming back to work and really honoring, you know, what, what does this stage of my life look like and what fills me up and honoring how I spend my time accordingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think that piece of being open to reevaluation and realizing that what might work for us in one context may not in another or at another time in life. And it kind of goes back to like what you had said before about what's the goal for right now. And that may change once we meet that goal, right? Wow. So having to be really open and have a lot of self-compassion and grace for ourselves, because I think it's hard when as therapists, we want to take care of our clients. So sometimes we might feel guilty if we have to change what we said that we could do, or mm-hmm. maybe we said we we were only going to take three months off for maternity leave, like you said, and then that has to be extended. So it's ultimately knowing that we want to help others, but we have to make sure that we're also taking care of ourselves and understanding that things happen in life and people may not always receive that well, but that doesn't change the fact that we do have to give ourselves that permission. And like, even with this podcast, as you know, kind of seeing when is it going to be right to record and when is it not? And that might be hard to do, but ultimately again, are you really showing up as the best version of yourself for those people around you? If you aren't meeting your basic wants and needs and respecting that within yourself? Totally. Yeah. And for anyone listening, like Alicia Mm -hmm. demonstrated that as well with, we had scheduled the podcast Mm -hmm. recording and then there's a couple of times we had to reschedule and she was honoring her boundaries and what was Mm -hmm. happening in real time in her life. Um, And that is just such a great example because you're really modeling what you're talking about in terms of burnout and self-care and really honoring your bandwidth, which, you know, is just so encouraging. So I was really impressed with that and Mm -hmm. encouraged by your boundaries in that way. But I'm wondering, as we're Mm -hmm. kind of talking Mm -hmm. about this, um, 
I know that there's a big piece of who you are. You've talked about your private practice, but you also have a course that you offer. And I'm wondering if you could kind of share a little bit about how you became passionate about connecting um, and empowering clinicians to really learn about private practice and grow in those skill sets. So um, yeah, I'd love to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. So I do have another business besides my private practice and it's called Prepping the Practitioner. And I basically formed this just not on a whim, but it wasn't something that I had intended to do. It was not my goal to be a coach for other therapists when I first started out. But I noticed as I was working with other therapists just in consult groups, or they would have questions if maybe let's say they were leaving an agency and kind of wanted to pick my brain, um, that kind of, I really did enjoy being able to help others reach those goals. And as well as just seeing how hard it was when I first started out, because there is so much information and there are so many different people or different experts that you can go to, it can feel really overwhelming. In addition to, it's hard to know how to run a business when you didn't go to school for that. And I think that's a pretty um, normal experience for therapists to have that are going into private practice. At least what I hear over and over again is it's almost like there needs to be this whole other subset in grad school for those that want to go into private practice because it's very different to be a therapist versus a business owner. So my goal in creating this business was to help other therapists save a lot of time and a lot of headache and having everything at their fingertips as far as, okay, what do I need to have to open up a private practice? What's kind of the basic 101 and what do I need to succeed in that? So my course that I offer is called Prepping the Practitioner, How to Build, Maintain, and Love Your Private Practice, because I do think that's kind of the goal and the progress or the progression of it that we see over time is, you know, first you're building it, you're learning all these things, and then you're kind of in the mindset of, not white knuckling it, so to speak, like agency setting, but you are just putting everything into place. But then it's cool because you get to see it start to develop and you're maintaining it. You're getting your footing and realizing, okay, I can do this. I have the knowledge. We build a little bit of confidence. We see all of the benefits of having a private practice. Like we were saying, not feeling that sense of burnout, having a sense of autonomy when it comes to our schedule and how many clients we're seeing and a fee that works for us. And then that I think leads to really loving it and seeing that this is a great lifestyle for us to lead. And it is for a lot of people, um, not just beneficial financially, but really beneficial in all aspects of their life. And so I offer that in the sense of, like I said, a course, it's a six week online course, and it has different modules that we go over each week. Um, in addition, people are able to schedule one-on-ones with me for 30 minutes a week if they feel like that's beneficial. So they're getting both the material in the class, but they're also getting the one-to-one if needed. And then for people that want to really expedite that process and really would benefit from that one-to-one support, I do offer one-to-one coaching as well. And so so that's really for the people that already know they want to do private practice. They've made the commitment to it and say, I want to get as full as possible, as quickly as possible. So those are kind of the two different avenues that I have with those pieces. And it's just, you know, it's been really um, an honor to see how people not only take the information and receive it really well, but just being able to put it into practice and seeing how much better they often feel when, let's say, maybe they're not opening up a private practice right away, but now they feel more confident if that's what they decide they want to do. Yeah, that's- that's so awesome. And so yeah, it sounds yeah. like, so it's a six week yeah. um, course and it's self-paced. Is that correct? But you can do the 30 minute yes. um, mm-hmm. one-on-ones. And then I, that sounds really nourishing because it sounds like, cause sometimes you sign up for a course and it's just, here you go, check them off, 
you know, you're on your own, but it sounds like you're also really available. And if people want, they can take it a step further, which is so exciting. Cause I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of sometimes what you need. Cause sometimes when you're doing a course, it answers questions, but it doesn't answer all the specifics to you. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that you give, um, yeah. you know, the audience, um, opportunity to actually connect mm-hmm. and have that one-on-one individualized support as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's lifetime access. So because we know how courses go where sometimes we sign up and then it's not the right time. So while the one-on-one access with me, 30 minutes is for that specific time frame, you can still go back and access that course at any time once you sign up for it, which I think is really valuable. And there's also a private Facebook group for people that sign up for the course. So there's a lot of one-to-one support in there as well for me and other people. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to make it as accessible as possible as far as fitting in with people's schedules and knowing that not everyone has the same availability, but also making sure that they can still receive that support even after it's over. Yeah. And then, like you said, I mean, sometimes, cause we go over things like niching and how to set your fee on a very broad scale, but it's sometimes nice to have that one-on-one coaching to really, um, kind of narrow that down and make it really clear. And so again, for people that really benefit from more of that very subjective material, I think that that's helpful for more of that coaching aspect in a one-to-one setting. Yeah. And would you say it's, um, it's more yeah. specific to people that maybe don't have have one already, like don't have a private practice or is it someone that like does have one, but maybe wants to improve it? Would they sign up for it? Or do you think it's more geared towards people that, Mm -hmm. um, just don't know where to begin? Because honestly, when you Google things, there's a lot of contradicting information and there's not really a hub of, like you said, it almost should be in grad school, like a course or a certain track that you do. If you want to be an owner of a business, Mm -hmm. um, and really learn that skill (laughs) set. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Yeah. So I tried to make it to where the course can be used for really anyone at any stage because it can be very beneficial if you're just starting out and you want to have as much knowledge as possible in a very concise format, but it's also really useful for people, let's say that started their practice a year or two ago and are just not seeing the growth that they had hoped for, or maybe they're starting to feel burnt out again or are wondering, okay, was this really the right choice? Sometimes it's just the, um, kind of reformation of the information that maybe we've just heard in too many places and have taken in too much and having it in one setting can be really helpful at that time. Or maybe it's, okay, we need to kind of edit our niche because a lot of times that helps with our marketing and making that more concise. Mm -hmm. So whatever it is that someone may be facing as a barrier, it can be really useful to join the course. And I think especially for the one-on-one coaching, that's a really great option to take advantage of too. If you aren't seeing the progress or the growth that you would have hoped for and seeing, okay, what can we do to get in there? And the coaching packages are nice because there's a variety of them. Like we can do three to six months if you want someone with you there at all times. And with that comes 90 minute coaching calls each month, but then also a lot of access to me and being able to edit, let's say website copy or things that are helpful in that sense. And then I also do 90 minute intensives for people that just want to pick my brain and say, okay, I have this idea. What do I really need to do or be aware of to make it profitable or to make it successful? So I try and help meet people where they're at with what they need the most or what would benefit from the most. Awesome. And kind of like along the lines of what you're sharing, it sounds like, you know, you're really adding such a great value and a service to people that are, you know, launching a private practice or maybe currently have one. But I'm wondering if we could kind of lean back into the lessons of what we talked about before in terms of um, preventing Mm -hmm. burnout in private practice or as a clinician, what would you say, because I'm sure that's Mm -hmm. a theme that comes up as well in some of your calls, um, whether it's personal struggle Mm -hmm. that you've experienced or maybe things that you've heard other people talk about, like what what advice would you have to people that maybe are in private practice and starting to burn out and maybe recognizing 
that, you know, their model isn't sustainable or um, they want to pivot. Like, I would love to hear more of your encouragement around that. Yeah, for sure. So I think what's tricky about burnout is oftentimes it sneaks in in little doses. And oftentimes it's kind of more subtle signs that we are approaching burnout. And then before we know it, we quickly can be in full-blown burnout mode. So I think it goes back to, first of all, having to have some sort of practice of self-awareness or self-reflection just in general of what do you do to really come back to yourself and say, how am I functioning? Is this working for me? Not just with work, but with all aspects of my life. Because if not, then oftentimes we don't realize that maybe we have felt really stressed out for longer than we've realized. And we've just been so caught up in the day to day that we haven't realized how much this has affected us. Or, I mean, a lot of therapists will speak to, they experienced physical illness and more of that when they were starting to get burnt out because they just weren't listening to their body and their mind and their psyche. So Mm -hmm. it had to get their attention in a larger realm. So I think the first step is making sure that you are checking in with yourself and seeing how does this fill me up or how does it not. And so I think after that, if you feel like, okay, maybe I am experiencing not full-blown burnout, but maybe some signs that I could be approaching that, then making sure that we're proactive and changing whatever we need to do to make that feel better. So saying, okay, I'm feeling really, really stressed out this week and that continues on into the next week and it's been a month so I've evaluated it for a little while and I realize this just isn't working. And so let's say maybe it's someone that their hours aren't working for them, right? So maybe they're really feeling guilty because they can't be with their family in the evenings. And that would mean that maybe they need to go back and tell if they're in an agency setting, for example, the director or the supervisor, hey, I really want to spend time with my family. That's really important to me. What can we do about negotiating my hours? So just getting really clear on what are the biggest things in my life that feel like they are adding stress or anxiety and what can I do to actively change that I think is so important. And I think you know, when that doesn't get addressed early on, then again, it just starts to become more of that pattern, more of that cycle. And so for people that are in later stages of the burnout, I see that as really not looking forward to clients, hoping clients cancel, feeling like they don't want to go to work, feeling like they're wondering, is this even the right field for them? Mm -hmm. It's a lot more intense dread and kind of that sense of hopelessness. I think that's when we know that we have approached that full blown burnout for a lot of therapists. And so I think if, again, we can catch it early on, that's great. But if not, that's okay too. I mean, sometimes, we can't go back and change the past, obviously. So we just have to meet ourselves where we're at. And I think at that point, it's really, really important to be honest with ourselves about, okay, what do we need to do to make this change? Mostly for ourselves, but also for our clients, right? Because if it goes back to this thing of, I want to help my clients, well, then I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself first. So I think those are the most important things to look out for when it comes to burnout. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, and I think just like the theme that I keep hearing is like this introspection and this like connecting with ourselves and whether that is um, going to our own personal therapy, whether that's taking time to reflect, whether that, I mean, we all have different ways of connecting Mm -hmm. with ourselves, but it just sounds like this kind of like almost call and encouragement to people that are listening of, you know, as much as it's important to schedule our our week and to look at, you know, what do I want to accomplish? What do I want to do? Like, if you don't check in with yourself, like you will burn out and you will, um, you know, Mm -hmm. lose the efficiency and the effectiveness that you want. Um, to create an impact for your clients. Um, when you were talking, I was also kind of thinking too, like for me, something that I've learned is like, I've learned that I'm like a morning therapist versus an afternoon therapist. So even things like that, where it's like, you know, sometimes you don't have that luxury depending on where you're working. But since I'm in private practice, I've started noticing, I feel the most alert, the most 
energized, the most excited to see clients. When it's a certain time of day with my own energy levels, like by two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm starting to get depleted. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I don't look forward to those sessions, even if they're a great client and a a topic that I'm really passionate about. So I think as you kind of connect with yourself in that way, as you grow as a business owner or a clinician, Mm -hmm. um, also, like, I know we probably both have experienced this, but when you have the wrong clients on your caseload, it can feel like a heavier load because it is, or maybe it isn't um, in alignment with your best skill set. So maybe you're not seeing the outcomes that you would typically see, um, you know, based off of, mm-hmm. you know, what topics they're processing if they're not quite in alignment with your skill set. So um, I think there's a lot of room for introspection and continually, like weekly, monthly, especially as we build our businesses and take on new clients, it can kind of change. And sometimes clients can present a certain way. And then, you know, three months in, you realize, oh, this isn't exactly the type of client I thought it was. Or, you know, there's so many variables to, to recognizing uh, where our limits end and begin and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I know for me and personally, even when it's not full-blown burnout, I know if I'm starting to question, is this what I want to do? Do I want to be a therapist anymore? Oftentimes it's a sign that something is not working for me anymore in my practice. So maybe that means that, okay, I need to work a little bit less. So I need to raise my fee. Or maybe it means that, you know, the client that I thought was my ideal client, that's not really working anymore. So I need to start transitioning into what is my ideal client. Um, Or like you said, maybe it's the time of day that I'm working. So even, you know, before reaching full-blown burnout, I think it's important to give ourselves permission to be open and to say, we don't know what we're going to fill in a year from now, and that might change, and that's okay. But oftentimes, again, therapist panic, as I think anybody in any profession does when you've spent a lot of time and money on your education of, oh no, did I make the right choice? And instead of staying stuck in that anxiety saying, okay, well, wait a minute, is there specific pieces of this job or this place that don't feel great? And that's really wonderful because those are not easy changes, but they are things that are in our control. And so I think that's just really important too, is again, whether you're an agency or private practice, giving yourself permission to be honest about what's working for you and what's not. And it's so subjective too. I mean, I see that a lot with a lot of therapists in private practice of like their fee, they look at what others are charging. And while what logistically that makes sense, that doesn't really account for how many hours do you want to work? How many hours can you work? Do you have dual income? I mean, there's so many things that I think we have to be open and honest with that are different for each person that it's okay if our journey and our practice looks different than other people. And even with niching, you know, it's okay if we have a specific niche and want to say no to others because there are other people out there. So it's almost like when you are open and honest with yourself, you also kind of make room for others too. It's not so much of that scarcity mindset that I see sometimes happen. Definitely. Yeah, no, I really hear that. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. too, because I mean, obviously right now, as we record this, we're still in the pandemic. Um, there's such a burnout, yeah. um, you know, just prevalent with, um, therapists right now. What are you noticing? Like, is there a different type of burnout that you're seeing with some of the people that you're coaching and supporting in terms of therapists, like any tips or tricks or encouragement to people in the pandemic fatigue of holding not just, you know, what's happening with COVID, but like also just the mental health pandemic and crisis that's happening. Um, what would you kind of speak into with that or, or what are you noticing as trends with, Mm -hmm. with therapists and how to really, um, protect themselves in terms of self-care or, um, Mm reevaluating things? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question because I've seen more people in some of like my local therapy Facebook groups that I'm a part of, or just kind of meeting with people. I'm seeing more and more therapists leave the field. And I think that that's really unfortunate, but obviously if that's what they need to do, then that's what they need to do. And I think for a lot of them, they have spoken to the sense that, you know, this is really unchartered territory because oftentimes we aren't experiencing a direct impact from some sort of stressor that our clients are right. We're somewhat removed. And then on top of that, we're hearing about the same thing over and over again in every session. And so it can feel really heavy to have to hold, again, not only client stuff, but again, we're directly impacted by it as well. So I do think it's a little bit of a different level of burnout. And again, it's something that I don't know has ever happened fully before to this extent. So I think now with that being said, and what I've heard a lot of other therapists say is that they didn't realize how burnt out they were feeling. And that's why they're taking sabbaticals or doing what they need to do, which I think is awesome to care for themselves. But I think now it's even more important than ever before to give yourself permission to either make scheduling adjustments, maybe see less clients or do it in a setting that feels better for you. I think it's really time now to say, okay, I have to be even more careful to safeguard myself, just like with anything in life, right? If we have a bigger stressor, we need to lean in a little bit more to that self-care and being honest with ourselves about our boundaries. And I think now, like you said, with the mental health crises, I mean, that's hard because I think a lot of therapists are experiencing a lot of guilt because so many more people are reaching out for help, but that doesn't change what we can give. And so I think it's that sense too of not slacking on our boundaries because the need is higher is going to be really important too. Because I would imagine that this is going to go on with more people realizing that mental health is really important, even if COVID passes or whatever happens with that. I don't know that that need is going to change now that that awareness has been here. Yeah, totally. No, I hear that. Well, and I also Mm -hmm. have noticed Mm -hmm. too with, um, with the pandemic and with therapists, it seems like there's a lot more therapists that are taking the leap, whether, like you said, to leave the field or now is the time where they're like, yeah. maybe this is my time to start a private practice or be my own boss or choose my own schedule or, you know, the way in which um, telehealth has really expanded. That's become the new normal um, where maybe before March 2020, it was like to be a telehealth therapist was almost like an anomaly. And now it's like common practice. And so, um, for a lot of therapists that are Mm -hmm. starting out, there's such little overhead when you start as a telehealth therapist versus maybe renting an office and, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, it feels like, you know, this has really been a crucial time in our field, whether that is highlighting, um, just our own personal need for, um, connecting with ourselves and taking care of ourselves as we journey through the similar experience that Mm -hmm. our clients are going through, or whether that's just really expanding our, um, our opportunities, whether it's things like your course or, you know, my podcast or other Mm -hmm. platforms, it seems like there's almost this rising of therapists that are like wanting to support other therapists and wanting to kind of almost like give what we didn't get, you know, like you spoke into that piece of like, yeah, there yeah. wasn't, you know, this course in grad school or this offering. And so you created this course. And in the same way, I'm like, I, you know, I, you know, try to look for podcasts or, um, other courses that would really speak into the philosophy that I'm teaching through the flourishing therapreneur. And so it's really exciting to be able to give back and to really create spaces that, um, encourage therapists when so often, um, when you do connect with other therapists, sometimes it's more for a consultation about your client, not like for yourself. Like how do Mm -hmm. I nourish myself as a human, as a therapist? How do I nourish my business? How do I learn skills that maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. aren't Googleable or aren't, you know, easily accessible and to have, um, yeah, to have therapists that are, you know, linking arms and encouraging others is so valuable. So 
they really appreciate. Yeah, for sure. And you bring up, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, you bring up a great point of it being like a time of not just it being difficult to be a therapist, but the sense of hopefulness that more people are seeing like, Oh, there is a huge need for this. And there is more room for creativity. Like you said, with teletherapy versus in person and making it your own. And I mean, that was kind of my, uh, also side goal in creating the course is to help other therapists come to private practice because there is such a need for more therapists out there. And that I think it's more important than ever if people are debating making the leap, you know, to feel like they have the permission to do it now. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of um, reflect and basically just say yes to everything you're saying in that piece for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm Mm -hmm. wondering as like a takeaway or as a, you know, as we wrap up today's episode, um, what would be your encouragement to someone that's listening that's maybe feeling burnt out or almost ready to take a plunge and step into something new, like being a business owner or, um, taking the courage and finding the courage to, you know, pursue something that's more in alignment with their values. Like what would be kind of like an encouragement as we wrap up? Yeah, for sure. So I'm really big on anybody who's debating taking the leap into private practice or starting any new business venture, really getting curious and clear on what is holding you back. What are the perceived barriers? Because a lot of times when we have a nudge or our intuition is telling us to do something, oftentimes it is the right thing for us to do, but then all of the fears and all of those mindset pieces can get in the way. So I think it's really important if you have this idea that you want to do something or change where you're at or take a break from the field or whatever it is to say, okay, this is what I feel like I need to do. What part of me is saying, maybe this isn't a good idea or what are the fears and working with that? Because oftentimes once you get clear on, okay, this is fear versus more intuition and what I need to do, not to say that that decision is a hundred percent easy, but it is a lot easier to have clarity on what you want. So I think that would be my best advice to everyone right now is, you know, again, going back to that piece of introspection, but getting really clear on what do you feel is the best thing for you right now and how to have either, let's say more boundaries or maybe more tough conversations or maybe changing the field altogether in what you do and just being open to that change because it can feel really scary. But oftentimes that's where we know we need to go. We just have to allow ourselves to make that leap. Mm, That's so encouraging and comforting. Like I'm just, even just hearing you speak, I'm like, oh, that just feels like, yeah, it just feels like a very encouraging way to end um, our conversation of uh, knowing that you can take a leap and it's going to be okay. And you're honoring, um, your personal needs. And when you're being honest with yourself, like that really induces that courage to take that jump. So yes. Yeah. 100%. Well, for anyone listening, where can they connect with you? What's next? Um, how can they, you know, be a part of what you're working on and what you're doing? Sure. Yeah. So for anybody that wants to find me and just know more about my practice or anything on the therapy side, my website is www.springpsychotherapy.com. And then I'm also on social media. I'm on Instagram. So the handle is just spring psychotherapy. And then same thing with Facebook, um, for my course and for the coaching offerings, it's prepping the practitioner.com. And then for Instagram, it's prepping underscore the underscore practitioner. And so I love to communicate with people on there. I offer a lot of different content for, again, more of the client side and then also more of the therapy side, depending on which option you're looking at when it comes to my social media. Um, For those that are interested in the course or coaching, I will be offering the next round of the course March of 2022. And so definitely if you're interested in that, keep an eye out for that. I will talk a lot about it on Instagram and then you can check the website to sign up and when that will be open. Um, Or if people are having any questions, I'm really, like I said, passionate about helping people not feel lost 
So they're more than welcome to email me on my website or DM me on social media. Um, and yeah, I'm always here to help or answer whatever questions I can. Awesome. And for anyone else listening, everything will be listed in the show notes as well. So feel free to tag onto those. Um, thank you so much, Alicia, for coming on to the podcast. And um, it's been such a pleasure just to hear a little bit about your journey. I'm sure we could have so many follow-up conversations to so many of the different points that you talked about, but I really appreciate you just sharing today um, and encouraging the audience with um, preventing burnout and really getting connected to who they are so they can show up the best as a clinician. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Thank you for tuning in to the Flourishing Therapreneur Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review as that helps other clinicians and therapreneurs find our community and thrive through our offerings. Want to take your business a step further? Visit theflourishingtherapreneur.com or our Instagram with the same handle. Connect with our free community or sign up for an upcoming course to help cultivate your thriving business and endeavors so you can flourish personally and professionally. Until next time, I'm your host, Claire Blakey, and I believe you deserve to flourish as a therapreneur.